comic fans assemble. Ace Comic Con is coming to the Wamu Theater in CenturyLink Field Event Center June 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Join Avengers stars Thor, Chris Hemsworth, Loki, Tom Hiddleston, and Spider-Man Tom Holland for an epic weekend with more Marvel heroes, stars of The Flash and Riverdale, and WWE superstars. Enjoy 60 top comic creators, 100 vendors and exhibitors, and 30 hours of panel programming. Tickets and information available now at acecomiccon.com. Han Solo versus Princess Leia. Ready? Fight! Han Solo versus Fuck. Ready? Fight! Han Solo versus Chewbacca. Ready? Fight! You win! Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 126 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. That's right. We're diving into the Masters of Terrace I'm trying to remember to pronounce it right. Yeah. Now you know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> We're diving into that amazing game from 1997 and its bizarre history and uh, amazing characters that went with it. We're going to be going in deep into that in a little bit but we wouldn't even be talking about that this week if it wasn't for the gold mine that is the new present under the christmas tree solo we're still talking solo han 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 solo It's it's more of a spice mine than a gold mine, but <laughs> there's still a lot to a lot to find and dig out of it. We're about a week and a half out or so since the release of Solo. How's it standing with you? Well, I'm finally got up to the magic number three. Um, I was able to see it again with my son, and yeah, it's definitely I like it more every time. It's growing on me. I've got, I'm at to the point now where I kind of know what it is and what to expect, and I can appreciate it for what it is. It still kind of feels like a big budget Star Wars TV show, but I'm completely okay with the big budget Star Wars TV show. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it the last time. 
How about you? You're like at five now, right? I've gone about four days as of now recording this without seeing it. And I I feel like I'm starting to get the shakes a little bit and starting to go through withdrawals. I need to get go out and get my fix. Yeah, it's like every time I see pictures or people talking about it, it's like, oh, I guess I got I to gotta go see this again. Since we recorded last time, viewings number four and five were both great. It was like, this movie's great. It's still great. Viewings number four and five were interesting, though. I went with my daughter. She liked it. She thought it was great. She saw it twice. But uh, I think after viewing number five, she told me, she's like, you know, I think I like The Last Jedi more. And I was like, oh, why, why, how come? Why, why do you think that? And she's like, I just like stories about Ray. Fair point, you know? Yeah, I had the opposite uh, reaction from my son because he only, I guess he saw Last Jedi twice with me. But he likes Solo a lot more. He said, I think I told you, he said last shot I had too many lessons in it. So, <laughs> again, fair point. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he's definitely riding the Solo train. So, yeah, he really enjoyed it. That's the thing, too. Like, every single time I've gone to see it and I've noticed little kids in the theater, they are going crazy for Solo. And I don't blame them. Like, if I was like... A six to ten year old kid watching that movie, I'd be like, "Can I get a chest tattoo of Alden Ehrenreich right now?" Yeah, I start growing growing my hair out right away. I want to see how big I can get my hair. You know, and that's the thing too. Like people like going on and on about like the box office and stuff. None of that matters because I remember when I was a little kid, I thought the Sam J. Jones Flash Gordon movie was one of the greatest things I had ever seen in my life. And I, I can't remember how old I was when suddenly I discovered that, that movie was not a hit and wasn't like on the same level as like Star Wars or something. Because to me it was. I was like, that, yeah. that was high art. Yeah, that's a great film. It's a cinematic achievement. Hold, lizard man. Escape is impossible. Surrender. Prisoners. March below me to the presence of Emperor Pink. Flash! Yeah, and I think as much as we love Last Jedi, I can see that being a harder film maybe for kids to get into. Like, it's still got some cool stuff, but it's definitely a little more of a... It is almost more of a drama than a full-on Star Wars adventure in some, in some respects. So, yeah, Solo is definitely, like, just what the kids need. Yeah, I hope kids keep seeing it. I was trying to think. I guess I don't really, even with my kids, like, do, actually, I don't even know. Do kids even watch TV anymore? They just watch YouTube. But how much if they're trying to market it more like as a kid movie? Because it does seem like it's almost more of a kid movie than, like, I mean, they're all Star Wars movies. They're all kid movies. But that one definitely speaks to the children. Like George Lucas. I made it for the 12-year-olds. Kids love Wookiees. Kids love the Wookiees. That reminded me of something with Chewbacca, though. I wanted to ask you because I can't remember if because I was playing with the Black Series, the Target one with the goggles, uh, which I've been keeping on my kitchen table so I can eat breakfast with them every morning. And I was <laughs> and I was thinking he's got that cool gun, but I don't. Does he ever shoot it in the movie? Because the only time would have been on the train, and I don't think Chewie ever shoots anything because he's busy uh, de- detaching the cars. Yeah, and hanging on for his life. No, I don't think he does. Yeah, he just chokeslams people and uh, steals the axe from the the uh, Kessel guards. 
Maybe that, you know, it's almost like how, like, when they put out, like, action figures of, like, Snaggletooth. Everybody always had to have a gun. Like, I swear, like, uh, I don't think he did, but I wouldn't have been surprised if, like, the Rancor Keeper had, like, a blaster or something. But I don't know. Yeah, maybe I would have been better if he came with a jetpack. Because now I'm kind of disappointed when people don't come with jetpacks. Because Maz has a jetpack. Akbar came with a jetpack. Hux came with a jetpack. So now I have, you know, like, an army of jetpack troopers. So... <laughs> A Chewie with the jetpacks, pretty much all they have left to do. All I'm saying is Hux, first scene of episode nine, better be flying in on a jetpack. Snoke's ship is destroyed, and he's like, this is all I've got. Yeah, and that's why everyone, you were all mad that that Akbar was dead, but he had his jetpack on, so he just flew back to a different different planet. He's still alive, too. He's flying around on his jetpack. The other thing, too, I noticed that uh, made more sense to me is when Kira tells him about Lando and then they go to the bar, like, I didn't make sense to me the third time that the Lando's on the same planet. And I think that's why I was a little confused with that part the first couple times. That that, that bar is like across the street from Voss's ship. There's a lot happening on that planet that day. I know. It's a busy day. Something I was thinking um, about during, like, viewing... Uh, four and five was how every character, at least all the main characters in the movie, both have like the DJ thing going on. Like good guy, bad guy, same thing. Oh, yep. Han is a good guy who fancies himself as like an I'm an outlaw as a bad guy. And Ness, you'd think is a bad guy in the beginning. Kira. You think she's good? Is she bad at the end? Not really sure. Beckett, you know, and it just keeps going and going and going, except for kind of Voss and Maul, who both are bad, and Chewie, who is just good. Well, even Chewie, when he first comes out, like, if Solo is your first Star Wars movie, you'd be like, oh, my God, that gi- that giant creature is going to eat Han Solo. Oh, yeah, that reminds me of the other part that, for whatever reason, I didn't catch the first two times, too, is when they're in uh, the party at on Voss's ship. And Chewbacca says something to Han, and then he walks away that he's basically telling Han that he saw food and he wants to go eat. (laughs) I think it's maybe one of my favorite parts of the whole movie now. It's like, oh, Chewie, thinking with your stomach. Another thing I was thinking about during 4 and 5 was the part where Han mentions his father. Mm -hmm. I had wrote that down, too. That Han's father worked on, like, the the CC production line, he says. And he Han's old enough to remember going on, like, the Corellian Cruiser, like, when he was a kid. And he can talk about his father enough that he says he doesn't have a good relationship with his father. But then also Han doesn't have a last name. Do you think then that Han is, like, really does have a last name and just abandoned it? And he hates his father so much he doesn't want anything to do with him and like has just kind of said, I'm not connected to that at all. Like, is he actually like Han Jones? <laughs> uh, that's a good point because I was I was thinking about that part because I actually I had forgotten about that part until watching it again because that part always jumps out to me because it's interesting because it's one of the more like subtle like the movie's not very subtle because it's just full of crazy stuff. But like the fact that he mentions his dad and they kind of don't go back to it, you kind of forget about it. But it was an interesting thing with his character to start talking about. But I didn't even think about the last name thing that I mean, technically, yeah, he must have a last name. But he either. Yeah, something happened with his dad and 
yeah, I don't know. I hope, I wonder if they'll go into that if they do another one or if that's all we'll ever get about Han's dad. And then also, you know, like I was saying in last week's so big soul review episode, it also is echoes so much of Ben Solo and him kind of just removing, you know, that whole name and all of that and just kind of starting over also. Maybe his dad even wasn't a bad guy, but they just didn't get along. And for whatever reason, yeah, he kind of disowned him or something. <laughs> Man, they need to do in the next one, have flashbacks of Han with his dad, and then they can just have Harrison Ford play his dad. <laughs> but with like a mustache. <laughs> Adam Driver in old man makeup. Wearing a hot dog costume. <laughs> I am your father. Give give your old man a hug. Come here, son. <laughs> Be careful what we wish for. <laughs> Kenner's Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. New Imperial attack base that you put together. Stormtroopers behind that gun! Chewbacca, New Han, Solo, and Imperial Stormtrooper action figures each sold separately. You can press the ice levers to pretend the mine explodes. You okay? Yeah! And make the bridge fall. That was close. Command was in sight. Fire! Nice job! Imperial attack base from Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. Action figures each sold separately. New from Kenner. So one thing people keep talking about with Solo is all the Easter eggs. People love talking about, did you hear, did you hear they mentioned Bosk? <laughs> I don't know. I keep thinking too, I want to, I want to see the Zahn sisters. If the Zahn sisters are in the same league as Bosk, I want to see them really bad. But one super surprising thing that maybe shocking fans the most is the very blatant reference to the ancient fighting art of Tereskasi. We all know if you've seen the movie, Kira takes down the Pike guy with her super rapid fire martial arts moves. And I really like that L337. Whoa. <laughs> her Joey Lawrence moment. That's, that was probably the direction she got. I want you to sound like Joey Lawrence. <laughs> Ron Howard just said, This scene, Joey Lawrence. And Phoebe Warbridge Bridge is like, done. Just winks at him. Whoa! I think for a lot of people, when they said, uh, when Kira said Teres Kasi, there was like, uh, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. And for some people, that may be why they hate Solo. <laughs> somebody, I'm sure there was somebody somewhere who, nope, got up, walked out. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to think about, I haven't thought about that for 20 years. <laughs> They're outside, like, punching the brick wall. In the back, <sighs> the back of the theater, pointing at the screen. I will not support this. Yeah. Boycott Solo. <sighs> if you don't know about the Masters of Teres Kasi, it rose to fame in 1997, where it was a PlayStation 1 game, which I owned it. Did you own it, Gabe? Yes, <laughs> I did own it. So both of us independently went to video game stores, perhaps electronics boutique. Babbage's. You know, we were both college students, didn't necessarily have a lot of extra income, but we spent our hard-earned money 
probably like $60 of our hard-earned money. Probably giving up a couple meals so, so we could play Masters of Terrace Kasi. And it was not really a very good game. I was so excited for that game. I was huge into Tekken and fighting games. What uh, Ballerina Toshinden was out then. All about fighting games. It's like, oh man, there's a Star Wars fighting game. I can't believe it. Can't wait. The first time I ever (laughs) met you, you were playing Mortal Kombat. Yes, I was. (laughs) You were, yes, on the Super Nintendo. I was excited for this game a little bit. We all were. It was... How could it go wrong? It's genius. It was like you can f- you can be Luke Skywalker with a lightsaber fighting a Gamorrean guard. This is going to be the greatest game of all time. <laughs> and there's a lady with a giant robot arm, which is ordinarily enough to get me excited about something, too. So, <laughs> so it's kind of a double, double whammy there. So the name Terrace Kasi, though, was not totally new to the video game, like all... Great Star Wars ideas. It comes from that beautiful fountain of Star Wars riches, Shadows of the Empire. Uh, dreams really do come true, don't they? The creepy, gross gift that just keeps on giving in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it just oozes Star Wars stuff. <laughs> I think that's where Refresher came from, right? And we got them talking about the Star Wars bathrooms and Rebels, so... It just keeps on giving gifts. In Clone Wars, when Maul was beginning his eventual takeover of what later become became him leading Crimson Dawn, he gathered up all those Prince Skeezor-looking dudes in a room, and him and his brother killed them all. Black Sun. It all goes back to Shadows. Shadows of the Empire author Steve Perry said about it, the name Terrace Kasi, like somebody asked him once, how did you come up with that name? And basically he said it came from the Finnish words, meaning steel and hands. Thought it sounded cool, which it does. And it's like the other fighting game, Tekken, which is Iron Fist, I think. <laughs> I wonder, wonder where he got that idea from. So we didn't hear about uh, Terrace Kasi for a while. And then in 2001... Uh, author Michael Reeves wrote his book, Darth Maul Shadowhunter, which I remember being a really good book. But it was revealed in that that Darth Maul practices Terrace Kasi, which then if you want to get really crazy, if you think Darth Maul does Terrace Kasi, if he taught it to Dryden Voss, and if Dryden Voss's little Krull uh, brass knuckles are somehow like do have like lightsaber vibroblade things. What if, if Dryden Voss taught Terrace Kasi to Kira? Makes sense. I wonder if the Praetorian Guards are, are masters of Terrace Kasi because they have the similar weapons and they're doing like martial arts stuff. Funny that you mentioned that because on page 37 in the Last Jedi Visual Dictionary, <laughs> it says examination of Praetorian fighting style reveals a hybrid of Terrace Kasi, Bakundi Hand, Ichanu unarmed forms and even Narkanja blind alley techniques. So, yes, the Praetorian guards are masters of Terrace Kasi. <laughs> now, also, if you want to get really crazy in the old EU legends, which is where all the crazy stuff goes on, they had quite a bit to say about Terrace Kasi. That in in basic, it really it just translates as steel hand, and it was created 
3,678 years before the Battle of Yavin <laughs> on the planet Bunduki by followers of the Pawala from the planet Pawala. <laughs> now, these Pawala were devastated by the Jedi, so the Pawala created the ancient fighting style of Terras Kasi to fight Jedi. It was super fast, and they had the ability to close the mind, close their minds to Jedi and Sith, protecting themselves from mental attacks. And some of the great Terras Kasi moves have names like Charging Wampa. Okay, get ready for this one: Gorax Smash. A little bit, a little bit of Gorax goes a long way. The Gundark Slap, the Nexu Grin, and Riding Bantha. Wonderful. <laughs> Luke Skywalker versus Han Solo. Round one, fight. <laughs> now, all of that aside, like we were saying, the real highlight when you're going to be talking about Terrace Kasi in the real world is that game, that 1997 masterpiece, which was developed with LucasArts and Capcom originally together. Yep. But when that partnership fell apart, Capcom took their stuff and developed their first 3D fighting game, Star Gladiator. Did you ever play Star Gladiator? I don't know if I ever did play Star Gladiator. Yeah, it looks way better than Masters of Terrace Kasi. <laughs> so Lucasfilm took what they had, and over the next 19 months... They decided to finish up Masters of Terrace Kasi. I thought this was really interesting when I was reading about it. They worked with ILM with doing motion control for the characters in Masters of Terrace Kasi. Then when I read that, I was like, really? I think that was when everyone was just like figuring out how to do uh, motion capture stuff. Because they were probably working on Phantom Menace stuff then. Um, like Ben Burt walking around doing tests for battle droid motions or... I wonder if Ahmed Best was already at Lucasfilm doing Jar Jar tests and stuff. Oh, yeah. I bet it was. Yeah, 97. Yeah, things were really moving along. I mean, they probably this was an excuse to test that tech out because they knew they wanted to use it for Phantom Menace. Let's test it out for Masters of Terrace Kasi. We got this hot ticket here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this, I, it started running into problems because this was the first LucasArts game made for the PlayStation. And they were learning all the hardware of the new system, which I could imagine would be very challenging. And they first announced the game at E3 1996. And this guy, Tony Shea, who was the project leader on Master Terrace Kasi, said at E3 96 that the game, it would be hard for the game to go wrong. <laughs> Which, I, if we were in the audience at E3 1996, we would say, you're absolutely right. There's no way this can fail. It's everything we want. <laughs> because it is. It's, I mean, that was like, we just had the special edition, so everyone's pumped up on the special editions. But we're waiting for the prequels to come out. What was the last Star Wars game, big Star Wars game before this was uh, Shadows of the Empire, right? For the most part. Maybe Rogue, one of the Rogue Squadrons was out. Star Wars games were riding high. Dark Forces 2 came out just like a month before Terrace Kasi. And yeah, the year before that was Shadows of the Empire, which was a huge deal. 
As you may have noticed, Star Wars is back, and so far the trilogy has grossed over $225 million in re-release. Well, not to be left out of the action is George Lucas's software division, LucasArts. They're hard at work putting the finishing touches on some brand new Star Wars games for your PC. That's right, the folks at LucasArts are releasing some brand new games, all based on the Star Wars universe, but all with new original storylines. So what kinds of games will we find in this galaxy far, far away? So the story of the game goes a little something like this. Vader uses a master of Tereskasi, Arden Lin, robot hand, to eliminate high-ranking rebels in, naturally, as you do, hand-to-hand combat. Well, and wasn't she a master that was, like, frozen for 20,000 years or 20-something crazy like that, too? (laughs) Probably. Yeah, supposedly... She was a she belonged to followers of Palawa, which you were talking about, right? Yeah, and during a battle, a Jedi Master was able to stop her heart, sending her into a force trance for for twenty five thousand years. <laughs> and then during the purge, she was reawakened in the unknown regions. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. unknown regions, and Palpatine's uh, inquisitors found her. It's all connected, Arden Lynn. Probably knew Snoke. Nobody was ever saying that Arden Lynn is Snoke. Well, he had two arms. Did he, though? (laughs) (laughs) Luke Skywalker versus Arden Lynn. Round one. Fight. So Arden Lynn came about, and this is in uh, Star Wars Insider number 36. Since Darth couldn't defeat the Rebellion with a moon-sized destructive device, he's gone back to basics. Kicking some good old butt. <laughs> this, was, this was in Star Wars Insider. And how did Arden Lynn come to be? And here we have a quote from Camilla Boswell from LucasArts. With this game, aside from Leia, there was definitely a drive to get another strong female character. That was part of getting Arden Lynn off the ground. I'm actually kind of surprised that she hasn't shown up in one of the animated shows yet. I guess there's still, there's still resistance. You, you'd feel like that would be something Dave Filoni would drag out we got kira and uh forces of destiny so maybe uh arden lynn is next punching some ewoks so they had a, a, an amazing group of characters you could play as there was arden lynn of course there was jodo cast everybody's favorite bootleg boba fett you get a boba fett versus boba fett but it's not boba fett it's jodo cast you could have mara jade you could have you know vader vader versus leia you could do chewy versus a gamorian guard but probably one of the most legendary characters that you could play in Masters of Tereskasi as is Hor. H-O-A-R. This is, this is a family show. Hor versus Han Solo. Ready? Fight! Hor was a Tusken Raider, but he wasn't just any Tusken Raider. We didn't know his deepest, darkest secrets until later, right? At the time... He was just a cool sand person, right? Or he already had some some secrets in his his past when the game came out. I think Hor had some some deep secrets that he wasn't sharing. <laughs> but later we found out that Hor is the only surviving member of Anakin's attack on the camp. And Hor is part of the Tuscan tribe that kidnapped Shmi. I killed them all. They're dead. 
every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. But not horror. And didn't he break into Obi-Wan's house and, and touch Anakin's lightsaber? <laughs> he did. Now, I was reading that that happened. He touched the Anakin's lightsaber and got like a flashback of the outlander demon that killed his tribe. But then I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense because the, the lightsaber that Anakin used to kill the sand people was destroyed on Geonosis. Uh, Obi-Wan's going to kill me. Well, it's it's, uh, it's like Hans Blaster. <laughs> Force works in mysterious ways. So Hor was eventually adopted into the tribe of Ashrad Het, who we all know is the Jedi Tuscan who ran with Coyote Mundi. It eventually became a Sith, Darth Cryat, but that's that's another story. I just like the fact that horror story is basically the same as Ray, where they find Anakin's lightsaber and touch it and have a Force flashback. That kind of like motivates their journey afterwards. That's where JJ got all of his ideas. <laughs> JJ is a big fan of horror. <laughs> he probably played a lot of Terrace Cassie, <laughs> and, and uh, Ray's been training in Terrace Cassie for years. At some time or another, Hor met Arden Lynn, and Arden Lynn told Hor about this new threat, Luke Skywalker, who, when Hor started hearing about Luke Skywalker, reminded him of that outlander demon that killed his tribe. So Hor tried to fight Luke, but Hor was actually stopped by the ghost of Obi-Wan, and then eventually Hor came across Vader, who Hor again kind of freaked out because he thought that Vader really reminded him of that outlander demon, but he couldn't quite place how and why, which happens. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. But so then when he was facing Vader, Hor almost beat Vader in a duel, but an, an apprentice of Vader's, some person named Tao, beat Hor. This was all in some Star Wars manga comic that I've never read. Now I'm confused. I sure wish Disney wouldn't have killed all those great stories. They call them legends for a reason. <laughs> Legendary. So Masters of Terrace Kasi was finally released in 1997. It did not get good reviews at all. A lot of critics talked about the sluggish speed of the fights. Kind of ridiculous idea of giant Chewbacca swinging at little Princess Leia. It's all just very uncomfortable. Yeah, was a little. It was a little weird when it came out. It's not too far off from a lot of Star Wars games, though, where you you want to play it so bad, so you play it, and then you get mad because it kind of stinks. But then you stop playing it. But then you want to play it so bad because it's a Star Wars game and it looks cool. And then you play it and you're like, I don't really like this. And then you stop. I played it a lot, even though I didn't like. It. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a metaphor for me and a lot of things with Star Wars. But I was in denial for a long time. I may still be in denial because I still stand. I have some special memories of playing Masters of Terrascasi. Maybe you had more fun with it because you pronounced it wrong. <laughs> it's hard for me to say it every time. I just want to say Terrascai. But I still remember, I think it was Celebration 2, where I saw, before even cosplay was a thing, there was a person dressed as Arden Lynn. Yes. And I stopped. And I was like, oh, my God, you're Arden Lynn. And I took a picture of her, and she's like, you're the only person that's known who I was. <laughs> I imagine that after that, she just went outside and threw her costume in the dumpster and went home. <laughs> it's not fun anymore. 
yeah, that was that was a highlight of of all the celebrations. I think was uh, running into Arden Lynn and the look on her face <laughs> when, with no hesitation, just like you're Arden Lynn. It's gone down in history as yeah one of the worst Star Wars games of all time, which that says a lot. Like we were saying, there's there's some stinkers out there. Weirdly, it its influence kind of lives on, and there have been like other. Games that have danced around the whole idea of this Star Wars fighting game. Yeah, and it's kind of strange because it seems like there's been so many fighting games over the years that they could do so much better job now. And with all the other movies, with the prequels and everything, there's so many more characters that make sense fighting each other. Like you don't have to have a stormtrooper fighting Luke Skywalker and expecting them to uh, have a chance. Every other Star Wars fighting game since this one has been like hidden as a bonus feature in another game. It's like they're scared to release it on its own, right? Because Episode 3, PlayStation and Xbox game had a fighting game in it. And one of the Clone Wars games, I think on the Wii, had a fighting game in it. But they were like bonus modes. You would think it would be like a natural for like a mobile game today. Yeah, I I don't know. I One of my... Little dreams I dream every night is for Lucasfilm to just pay somebody like uh, Capcom or Namco or someone to just take one of their existing fighting games and just put different characters. Because Namco did it a little bit with uh, Soul Calibur, right? They put Yoda and Vader and uh, Starkiller in it. And it was always a tease because I kept waiting for them to, oh, they're pretty soon they're going to just make a whole game. And I'm still waiting, like Ray, waiting for my family. I know all about waiting. Still waiting for my Star Wars fighting game to come. Just scratching the marks on the wall. Eating muffins. You imagine even with, you know, with the new Disney stuff. I mean, Cheer It, Bays, Captain Phasma. There'd be so much you could do. I mean, just Kylo Ren. Praetorian Guards, Old Luke, Young Luke, every Jedi in the prequels. Sagwa. Ooh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess around with Sagwa because he's hungry and he would have the rage like Sagwa would have like a meter and the more Sagwa would get punched, the more his rage meter would go up and then eventually he'd just freak out. Yeah, the game would be E for everyone, except for when you played Sagwa, it would turn into Mortal Kombat and he would eat eat you if he wins. Oh, he's just so hungry. But there was some cool stuff in the game. Like it was pretty neat that they... Um, I always like the fact that if you were like player one and two for most of the people, they did alternate costumes like player one. Luke was Bespin and player two. Luke was Return of the Jedi. And with Leia, she was Boosh without her helmet or with the helmet. Like there was some cool stuff in there. But then there was weird stuff like I think Boba Fett was like regular Boba Fett. But then if you were player two, it was like super, super green. I don't know if it's supposed to be the action figure version of Boba Fett or something. You know, it was the 90s, you know. (laughs) And like player two of Thok was brown instead of green. So you could be like a brown Gamorrean guard. And it had like really like neat like uh, animations if you won, right? Yeah, I don't know if they were neat, but at the time, yeah, they had like (laughs) CG animated little video clips. Right. Luke saw some fireworks and I think there's a video of horror riding a swoop bike. Yes. Oh, and some of the sounds were good. Or I don't know if they were good, but did you you remember like with Vader, for whatever reason, Vader had, it seems like he had too many, uh, he just kept saying, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, when you would hit him. Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker. Ready? Fight. Fight. <laughs> 
doesn't sound so tough. You know, though, for as much as the game doesn't get the love, you could never say that people have forgotten about this game. It gets talked about and brought up constantly. And just the fact that in a movie, in movie theaters in 2018, Tereskasi fighting style is mentioned. Masters of Tereskasi lives on. It's only been 20 years. Arden Lynn was in a forced coma for 25,000. <laughs> What's 20 years? Where's Tereskasi going to go next? You know, is it, um, is that what John Favreau's show was all about? Could be. Maybe the next uh, Star Wars story is Darth Maul teaching a class. That's what he was doing when Kira called him on the phone. He was like, I'm trying to teach this Tereskasi class. Students, be quiet. <laughs> I got a phone call. It's it's time for a mall call. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's you. He was joking around with everybody. He's like, I, everybody be quiet. I got to get serious. It's time for a mall call. Hello, <laughs> Kira. Come find me on Dathomir and bring a rotisserie chicken. I think Darth Maul can only eat baby food, though. He's on the Robocop diet. Yeah, there's definitely some questions about how Darth Maul lives as a person, but. Robocop could do it. Darth Maul can do it. Tune in in a couple weeks for our Darth Maul episode where we'll be talking all about Darth Maul's digestive system. (sighs) We'll go from his esophagus to his large intestine to his small intestine. Go through every inch of it. You win. The boss was not strong with this one. Burger Chef introduces Star Wars Fun Meals for Your Kids. A hamburger, french fries, and Coca-Cola. Imagine how much fun your kids will have. Star Wars Fun Meals. Collect all seven. Only at Burger Chef. This is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Blast Points with Jason and Gabe. May the Force be with you always. So iTunes reviews. Let's finally catch up. Let's get caught up on iTunes reviews. We're behind. Let's read some of them. Gabe, what's our first one? So first one here from Joseph Golden is one of the most unique Star Wars podcasts out there. Blast Points Podcast is one of the most unique Star Wars podcasts out there on the internet. Jason and Gabe are really funny and have tons of insight on the most bizarre and interesting moments in Star Wars history. From the Darth Vader VHS art film to the history of the Yoda puppet, this show also has really funny moments as well and have kept me laughing into the week whenever I listen to this show. So if you ever wondered what kind of gumballs George Lucas enjoys, or if you want to know more about the Cassian My Gloves guy, then this is a show for you. You will not regret listening to this fun and enlightening podcast. Thank you so much for doing this podcast, and I can't wait to hear what other crazy topics you guys will be covering in the weeks to come. May the force be with you always. Thank you, Joseph Golden. Yeah. Thank you, Joseph. Glad still talking about my gloves. (laughs) It's about time for that to come back, right? (laughs) 
Next one is from B Randon04, titled Best Podcast in the Galaxy. Jason and Gabe consistently deliver insightful and hilarious episodes that will undoubtedly make you want to binge every episode. Their love for Star Wars truly shows making Blast Points a special and unique journey that will never be replicated. Keep up the good work, Jason and Gabe. All right. Thank you, brandon 4 Thanks. All right, and we got one more from Dr. Sci-Fi. Uh, it's the only podcast I let my droid children listen to. That's, that's, that's smart. It is. We only recently discovered Jason and Gabe's unique brand of Star Wars podcasting, but I haven't been this hooked since I quit my Death Sticks addiction. Good for you. Congratulations. I'm glad you rethought your life. <laughs> Every week, JG deliver with humor and insight into the Star Wars universe. In a galaxy full of Star Wars podcasts, this needs to be on your listen list. Kazian says you have to. It's the only podcast I let my droid children listen to. K2SO and L337 don't agree about much, but Blast Points brings us all around the hollow table as a family. These are memories you can't put a credit on. Podcasting is difficult to become something more than reading the news or cantina talk around the table. But when you have two friends that obviously enjoy this galaxy and all it entails, you better buckle up, baby. May the force be with you. Dr. Sci-Fi, Darren, thank you. And listen to Cassian. Thank you, Darren, Dr. Sci-Fi. And, and in the coming weeks, you'll hear more from Darren, Dr. Sci-Fi, with a special bonus episode interview with him with his experience at the premiere for Solo as L337. So It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Look out for that coming soon and we'll bonus thing. But thank you, Dr. Sci-Fi. Thank you, Brandon 4 And thank you, Joseph Golden, for those great iTunes reviews. And you also should leave us an iTunes review when you're done listening. Head over there, write something awesome, and we will read it on an upcoming show just like we did those. Thank, thank you. you. Thank 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 you. Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Blastpointspodcast.com for theme music, recipes, Darth Field cartoons, all kinds of stuff. Um, and check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And feel free to join our wild and crazy Blast Points super fun. I don't remember what it's called. Super Blast Points chill group. It's blowing up lately. We, you know, it's a place where you can go and talk about Star Wars with other listeners and 
it has only been around for a few weeks now or something, but it's uh, it's been really great. It's getting hot. People are posting some wild stuff. You definitely want to be a part of those conversations. And don't forget, in just a matter of weeks, we are going to be live at Ace Comic Con in Seattle, Washington. The best of the weird Star Wars panel. We're going to be playing video of all of our favorite weird stuff. It's going to be live Rusty Miller trivia, Comtech chip stuff. Yes, it's going to be something. Get, look up uh, Ace Comic Con online. Get tickets if you're in the Pacific Northwest area. We want to see you out there. Come on out and say hi to us. Yeah, we will be there all weekend. It's going to be the place to be. <laughs> Dryden Voss is going to be there. I don't know. I want to try and have some seafood with them, you know? Maybe Dryden Voss will go to like Pike Place Market with us and he'll catch a fish or something. Get some colo claw. Just ask them if they have colo clawfish. I got to bring it back to Dryden Voss. He's in town. Excuse me. Where's the colo clawfish? <laughs> Dude loves seafood. He wants to eat it. They brought him ham sandwiches. He said no. So that's going to be going on at Ace Comic Con in just a matter of weeks. Come check it out. But that about wraps up episode number 126 here at Blast Points. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the art of Solo. Ooh. It's going to be a fun one. There's a lot of goodies in that one. As for this week, Masters of Terrace Kasi. Keep your training. Keep training. Stay strong. <laughs> Thanks for listening. All right. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Watching this, what a fun job these people have. Oh, they all, they're all wonderful people up there at LucasArts. They were just terrific, and they're all very young. They're very um, creative, I guess. Incredibly creative. You walk through the offices there, and it's like being in the middle of a fun factory. <laughs> they just have a wonderful time at work every that day. Sounds like it. They play games all day. May the force be with all of you.